Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. It's time for myself being Cole Petum, Danny Raza, and newcomer to the podcast, Neil Dunworth from the For the Love of Paul McGraw podcast to preview Villa's match against Sheffield United at Villa Park on Wednesday. It's been three months uh, with a break in football, Premier League football, we should say, uh, for Villa. So taking into account these warm-up games and everything that's going on, do you think this break has been a benefit, a hindrance to Villa? And um, on either side of that, what can we expect from this team going forward for the rest of the season? Well, I don't think we can really make too much of a judgment yet until we see every team play uh, their first game. But certainly for Villa, it means that they're having to play more games in this period you know they've got the game in hand obviously they're having to play more games in this um in this period which means that uh you know the likelihood is with this tight schedule they're going to be burnt out and and they're coming off three months out you know who knows what that's going to do to them i think the only thing we can really do is look at the bundesliga and see what that's done for certain teams but um as for villa it means that it's given time for john mcginn to recover so we're going to be seeing him back and he's going to see a lot more of the season than he originally would have um and I think the other thing is, I think a lot of the thing, a lot of people have been touching on this idea that perhaps without the crowd, perhaps without the whole ten there um, in full voice, it might just kill off a little bit of the nerves in the in the Villa team. But as I say, you, there's no there's no guessing really until we see how every team has responded to it. The only thing you can hope for is the is the uh, Dean Smith and his team have been you know drilling the fitness into them. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think the important thing, guys, that we have to remember. Um, throughout the rest of the season it's almost like mentality wise it's almost like it's a mini tournament I think it's going to be ultimately who's the fittest who's the sharpest I don't even know if it's going to be purely based on tactics going forward I just think if you're in the right mindset and they have the fitness you're going to see who essentially was staying at their home gyms working out doing what they can and who was digging into the tub of ice cream too much and uh, sticking their hand in the candy jar per se Uh, but Neil we'll go to you next Um, this this pandemic has been crazy and unsurmountable for so many people. Uh, what concerns, I guess, going forward with Villa do you have with the pandemic? Do you think, like, will there be any mental strain on that? Could minds be somewhere else? Will there be concerns um, with too many people around them? Like, there's so many different variables. What are your thoughts? I don't think there's... Um, I actually think it couldn't have got any worse than it was before the, the break. So... Um, I think that anything that this break and this pandemic and that the um, the long layoff, anything that can come out of it would have to be some way positive because we were on a very very downward trajectory in the in the four or five games previous we were on a losing streak, um of four games, and we were sliding pretty uh, pretty bleakly down the league. Uh, the last game that we played prior to cessation of the league against Leicester was probably a culmination of a lot of pressure on the team, a lot of there was pressure the week before when we played uh, Man City in the in the League Cup final, and um, that didn't help. A lot of people thought that that might be a welcome, I suppose, a welcome um, release from from the Premier League. But you know, we went down two one. We went down fighting in that game, and then Leicester came along, kind of really kind of steamrolled us. And I think that if we had to continue on the league from that point, things it would have been very difficult to kind of pick ourselves up off the floor after that 4-0 against Leicester. So with the cessation of the league and with the league coming back on Wednesday against Sheffield United, I think it can only be a positive. I think uh, breaking teams' momentum, uh, whether it be good or bad, 
has to be in our favour considering we were on a bad run of form. Sheffield United were obviously on a great run of form and a win could take them closer to Europe or closer to even the pre- even the Champions League spots. So um, for me, I think there's the, the, that would be drilled into the players from a mental standpoint. Um, also, as you mentioned, we, were, we will get some players back and uh, John McGinn is just so pivotal to this team. You know, he he really makes everything tick inside there. Uh, he he allows other midfielders to to be more comfortable in the positions they play. Like when McGinn was out, we were playing Douglas Louise an awful lot, awful uh, lot lot more uh, further forward. Then maybe he's maybe he really wanted to play in the Premier League. So getting him back is going to be going to be a massive plus point for us. But overall, I think that it can only be a positive the fact that we've had such a long build up to this. And if you remember how we kind of started the league with that kind of effervescence against Spurs. And yes, we did lose that game. But um at the start of the league, we were getting the we were getting good results. We were we were taking the game to teams. And that's why why everybody kind of had this kind of sense of I suppose um expectancy that the team was going to click and everything was going to work the four games that we had before the before the break that expectancy was well and truly gone so i th- i'm hoping and i and i think it is possible that dean smith would be able to drill that kind of that faith within the team the backs against the walls mentality and we will come out with, with that kind of effervescence again for the last couple of games you know what's funny though like we didn't we have we didn't play badly for those games that you're mentioning earlier like you know tottenham the, the tottenham game for example we were yeah. You know, we, we should have won that game. We were 2 on up. And then, you know, out of nowhere, almost mi- miraculously, Tottenham managed to win 3-2 because a couple of um, defensive um, defensive cock-ups. And then, you know, you've also got the Man City game, you know, the, the cup game where Villa fought. And you just start thinking to yourselves, well, you know, if they if they if they played like that every single game, they'd be okay. It's not it's not a talent problem at Villa, and we've said this before. It's mm-hmm. not a talent problem. It's 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 that when Villa have the momentum and when they've got the chance to take that momentum forward, they managed to completely grasp defeat out of the hands of victory, um, and it just deflates them. Totally deflates them. So I mean, what I think the argument that I got to put forward is this: this game against Sheffield United, it's it, it's vital they get a win. I don't know what mm. you think, uh, Neil. I don't know what you think, Cole, but it's vital that they get a win because if if they lose to to Sheffield, if we lose to Sheffield United, then that all that um all that negative energy that was there before the pandemic, it's back and we've sold nothing. Yeah. Um. No, I totally agree with that, Danny. I, I agree with both of you guys. Very well spoken. Um. I think the main thing that these players, coaching staff, everyone involved, the club have to remember: we have to treat this as a clean slate. Um. I think it's so vitally important because we've seen the mental aspect of how this team is so up and down in terms of that. You can see the absolute lows. You can, for example, like you and Danny said, Neil, the the Leicester game. You can look at how we absolutely kiboshed a great opportunity against Spurs. You could say maybe twice. Arsenal, of course. Liverpool. Uh, see, and that's the other thing. Like, we're so concerned about the Sheffield United game and how we work on that. And obviously, we're getting that more. But could because we have essentially more difficult fixtures ahead but we were so close at beating them or getting something out of those before i think it's i think it's all just a mentality thing guys but anyways neil uh we'll get on to the injury thing here i'll come to you next because you did uh mention john mcginn of course now we have jed steer back as well going with those two and in particular mcginn how crucial can these it's almost like new signings at this point because you look at him again, he absolutely runs our midfield. We've just been missing that absolute stopgap plug that we can put in there. We're not going to have to really worry about it because 
any midfield trio that we put in there when he's out, there's always been that issue. And that issue is we're missing begin. So with that being said, Neil, how do you feel about him coming back? What kind of spark plug do you think he can light? And do you think he could be one of the main reasons we have a higher hope of staying up? Absolutely. John McGinn has been, you know, he's, he's an absolute personal favorite of mine. Even like at the start of the year, a lot of mates here in Ireland would support Liverpool, they would support United, and there are, there's there's a good basis of Aston Villa fans here. But um, I remember at the start of the year, everybody would 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 talk about Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish, and people don't do an awful lot of homework on Villa and the basis of players that they would have here. And I was always, you know, obviously as as every Villa fan would be, would be saying like, you know, quite quite confident that John McGinn is going to outperform more or less anybody on our team and uh, 10 games into the season everybody was like oh my god I can't believe John McGinn is playing for a team like Aston Villa he could play for any team in the league and I think that's essentially he's one of our two players that could do that could play in any maybe three players if you include um, Tyrone Mings could play for any team in the league and when you are in a dogfight at the bottom of the bottom of the table and you get a player back that's universally um you know, lauded by by 19 other teams, and um, it has to be a good thing. The one thing that I'm I'm I, I'm really hopeful is that he was on a very good spree of assists, goal scoring, whether it be for cl- for club or country prior to to being injured. And I'm hoping that uh, he got a lust for uh, goal scoring and getting into the box a small bit more, and he brings that back after his his uh, his time on the sidelines and he's hungry for goals because uh, we could do with more more goals coming from midfield. Um, we're that that's what's going to keep us up, and I know it might sound really simplistic, and it might sound actually pretty stupid to say, but scoring goals is what's going to be what's what's going to keep us up, especially against teams like like Sheffield United. So not only when McGinn's industry, the fact that he's probably he's not probably he is the only box to box midfielder that we have, um, in the actual the the team at the moment that can do it at the absolute highest level. Conor Horing can do it. But, you know, obviously the step that, that John McGinn has, the higher step in, in, in quality that he has um, is, is there for everyone to see. So I think that uh, that coupled with the, the fact that he's just so loved by his teammates, you know, to have that camaraderie and to have that kind of um, that type of person back in the team playing. It's one thing to have them around the team, but when they're actually on the field and they're playing and that kind of the firecracker kind of mentality that he has, that's going to be very buoyant for the team as well. And it's it's going to take some pressure off Jack's uh, shoulders to have to be the only kind of midfielder that will be creating. John McGinn can get into the box. He can make those long busting run, runs. He can get past the striker as well. And and that's going to, that's going to be very, very pivotal for this team. So that it, it isn't a case of stop Jack and... And you can really stop our creativity from midfield. 100%. I think, if anything, it gives us that plan B that we've been missing. And I'm not going to say that uh, John McGinn is just as good as Grealish because there's been that kind of debate here and there once in a while. I think we know who leads the pack in terms of that. But it gives us that option B and well-spoken again there, Neil, um, on that topic. Danny, we'll go to you next because I think the thing that a lot of people are thinking is what kind of impact will John McGinn have on the Sheffield United game because I think some people think he's going to start and somehow he's going to play a full 90, but I think realistic people should probably expect him to maybe play 30 or so minutes. Maybe he plays the second half. What kind of impact do you think he's going to have on the game? Bro, didn't didn't Dean Smith start Danny Drinkwater after he hadn't played a Premier League game in 
like a year or something like that. Yeah, but it's a bit different, though. He's not coming off of a, a fractured ankle. You know what I mean? Because, you know, McGinn likes to go in for those tackles. He's going in for 50-50s. And I think a lot of people, the first tackle he goes in for, and I'm sure he might even feel a little bit nervous. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't. But I think a lot of fans are going to think, oh, no, please hold up. But, again, it's a complete different thing. But, you, yeah, you are right. Yeah, I mean, so I, it's a possibility he starts. It is a possibility he starts, but um, I, I can't see it personally. I, I do think it's probably going to be like a substitute appearance. Uh, I, I think we've got to like sh- put a shot of realism in this. He's not going to save our season um, during the Sheffield United match. He's not going to. Well, you know, if he if he proves me wrong, then great. But but uh, I can't see him coming straight off a layoff and 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 doing so well. But then you know the, you know on the other hand, the other hand, a lot of these players. I mean, the rest of the players in the in the league. Um, are coming off like months without playing Premier League football, so who knows? What's the worst that can happen, Cole? If we if he starts and he's not all there, Dean Smith's got five subs he can make. Dean Smith's got five yeah. subs he can make. Start him for those first thirty minutes. See what happens. Is he in the game? Fine. If he isn't, that's not a problem. Take him off. Bring on Marvis Nakamba and let him do the job. So I mean, there's there's a chance that happens. Um, and if and if he's anything like the player we had before, then then it would be good. Because the thing is, we don't have another workhorse in midfield, and that's yeah. where we've struggled. It's mm-hmm. where we struggled. Because Douglas and Nakamba, neither of them are really equipped to do that role of, you know, running around and 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 making sure the opposition don't don't get the ball. And if we're playing as deep as we have been for the whole season, then you know we're going to struggle without that. You know, it's fine playing with Nakamba and Douglas Louise if you're pushing up the pitch, if you're trying to, like, um, constantly uh, get on the opposition. But um, obviously we saw Dean Smith revert back to the kind of shallow positioning that we did. Um, sorry, deep positioning that we that, 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 that we did kind of in the championship uh, before he came in. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I can't see John McGinn coming in and, and winning that game for us against Sheffield United. We, we always seem to get way more injuries than anybody else. I might be wrong there. That might be like confirmation bias. But how we've managed to have like John McGinn, Wesley, Heaton out for like long spells all season. Is it is it luck or what? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a particularly tough time of the year, wasn't it? The the, the two guys went down in, in quick succession or was it even the same game? Uh, Heaton and Wesley went out the same game, and John McGinn went out, I think, the week after. So it was in quick succession. Yeah. Um, and it was the time when we were down on our luck over in and around the Christmas time as well. So it was uh, it was a particularly black period, I think, for this particular team itself. But with regards to, to injuries as a whole, um, I think when we get them, we get them in in bunches, as you mentioned. And uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the what the statistics are with regards to other teams, but um. Yeah, it does seem to kind of come and bite us. But then again, we only have like like realistically speaking, this team started this year even though we had an 11 player overhaul. We started with 16, 15, arguably 16 Premier League quality players. So to get three or four or five injuries like we've gotten over the course of the year is is a massive massive uh, black hole for us to fill. It's not like we're Chelsea or we're we're, we're any other team, you know, they've been in the league and, and have been able to 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 build a Premier League quality squad within financial fair play if that actually exists. <laughs> um we have a, yeah, and hopefully in three or four years' time we will have that 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 quality of depth in squad, but we haven't been able to do that. And uh, I think probably it just highlights we it highlights to us fans more because the quality of player after player sixteen, seventeen within the squad is 
there is a drop off. So maybe that might be might be why uh, why it seems like we're getting more injuries because the quality of depth player that comes in after a certain point may not be up to scratch. Yeah, but you know oh. what? Like, uh, you know, without obviously, we, I, I I know I'm probably like going too far into this now, <laughs> but um, like, <laughs> we somehow managed to get injuries in arguably every, the most important player in every single position. It went Heaton, Mings. Mings was out for a long time as well. We, we forget about that one. It went Heaton, Mings, McGinn, and Wesley. Obviously, bar Jack Grealish there, it's like, you know, the cards, the cards that we are dealt. Jeez, man. And I, and even like the Sheffield United game, you know, still talking on the topic of whole of the whole like John McGinn thing. We've got matches like pretty much every three or four days. How does a team begin to prepare for that? It's crazy. It's mm. crazy. I think, I think that's the benefit of essentially the five substitution rule. I think that's going to be the beauty of it. Being able to play, pick from a more expanded list of substitutes, I think that's going to be huge. I think the other a good talking point, guys, would be who's going to be on the bench. Are we going to see uh, the lone E players like Callum O'Hare? Will he make the bench? We don't know because kind of after a few players on the bench, it really thins out <laughs> um, desperately. So it's going to be interesting to see who those nine players are and if there's any consistency to that. But anyways, guys, let's move on um, to the goalkeeper debate because I've seen a lot of this on Twitter lately. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, Nyland should go back and goal. A lot of people think we should bin Reyna. Um, some people think Jed Steer deserves to go back in the net. Um, Danny, we'll start with you. Who do you think should start in, I guess, as simple as that? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, So... I think some people soured on Reina, didn't they? Because of him coming out on his political views. But, like, you know, I'm going to put that aside. Um, that's got nothing to do with uh, with me, I guess. Um, I think if you're talking on... Cause I, I, just because I, I don't know that much about, about Spanish politics, I guess. But um, I think if you're talking about pure sort of talent, who'd you put in there? Like, I think it's hard to, like, argue against Pepe Reina. But then we started seeing in recent weeks before the end of that... You know, but before the end of the no crowd, no football period that we've just been through, uh, we started seeing him make make quite a few errors, quite a few mistakes. And and Nyland himself, actually, to be fair to him, you know, he had he had a couple of decent games. I think the problem is whoever we tried um, was just conceding loads of uh, loads of goals. I don't think our goalkeepers have ever been the problem though. Like it's been it's been the defense, it's been like the the pressure 100%. that they've been put under. Like if you ask me, I think I think we go with Nyland. I think we go with Nyland because I think he's he's our player. I think relegation matters to him. You know, no offense to no offense to Pepe Reina, but at the end of the day, if we go down, Nyland goes down. Pepe Reina gets to go back to AC Milan, right? True. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm just thinking purely from like a from like a fan perspective, from like a passion perspective. You know, get Nyland in there, man. It matters to him. He's gonna be concentrating all the way. I think. He, I, I think he's always proved. When 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 he's been dropped and when he's come back in the team, he's he's always proved that you know he's, he's he, that, that, that he gets better, doesn't he? I don't I don't think he's he's gone he's gone down in in my status since the championship. He's, he's a long way since that since that player that was you know letting in howlers. I, I think that's in. so funny though that we like the whole mindset of Nyland has like drastically changed. If you look at last year, everyone thought like where did we get this guy? This guy is terrible. And then, then it was Jed Steers the hero. Oh, he's not getting a shot in the Premier League. That's so unlucky. He deserves it because he got us up. And now it's like, oh, Nyland all the way. Like, who is Jed Steer? You know what I mean? It's just crazy how like the football mindset changes so quickly. Yeah, but the Jed Steer thing is like you. It's just you, you're always going to be a little bit worried about bringing a player back off injury. 
True. It's like, look, Nyland's had had games in the Premier League this season. It's it would be an error in, in my estimate to bring back Jed Steer at this point. But hey ho, there's loads of games left, isn't there? There's no uh, no reason why you can't try him out, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Neil, uh, who do you think should start and why? I'm a, I'm in agreement. Um, I don't. I'd love to say Pepe Reina, but like when he came to the club, I thought it was just look, it was going to be fantastic, uh, like for like with Tom Heaton. But it just seemed to be that that he, he there was a lot of lacks of concentration. It wasn't as if he was that. I, what I'm yeah, trying totally. to say is he was kind of totally. the, the the author of his own downfall. You know, so he he made the mistakes and there were there were concentration laps, which from a 30, what, 37, 38 year old player, you, you don't expect concentration laps. If anything, you expect that experience and that professionalism that he's held throughout his, throughout his career to, to be the one thing that doesn't doesn't uh, fault him. If there were goals like he was too slow coming off his line because he just didn't have the pace anymore or he got muscled out of it by a striker from a corner and couldn't get get through the, the, the field of bodies to punch the ball out. It would be something different, but I'm always concerned with concentration drops like that. Um, I think it would be, uh, I think it'll be an island. Uh, again, I do think it would be. I don't. I think it would be Reina on the bench. Um, but that's what the logical me says. But the the trying to put my football manager hat on and trying to take into account the situation we're in, and maybe does Reina's experience. Does the fact that he is a leader, does the fact that people look up to him in in the footballing circles, does that get him the 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 shout over over an island? Uh, I know that wasn't really a, a an a definitive answer, but if I was the manager in the morning, I would I would pick Nyland. But I probably don't see it. I think I see. I think we see Reina in between the nets. No, I totally agree. It's it's probably going to be Pepe Reina. Um, I. Like you guys prefer Nyland, I think you go with the proverbial hot hand, as people say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think his performances uh, pre-coronavirus were worthy of that, and I think he displayed enough effort to hold that. But I think Dean Smith is also looking for a man in between the sticks that can lead. Um, and we, I think we can all agree he probably has the best distribution um probably of all the keepers even though sometimes it scares the bejesus out of me but that it is what it is there uh but anyways guys we'll move on from that and we'll go into your score predictions and then we'll get into some uh twitter questions um so danny my good friend uh what's your score prediction for the sheffield united match look i think we we've had a couple of friendlies with other teams this week and i know it's hard to kind of put anything onto that i guess it's i guess it's, it's i guess it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to estimate off the back of that. But from, from the sounds of things, Villa are starting to, you know, I think they're, they're playing okay. You know, we haven't been whacked by anyone um, by the sounds of it. I think without the crowd, without the, like, I guess, tendency to uh, get nervous when, when Villa are up, I'm a little bit worried about this one because, because, Shep, because, Chris, because, because Wilder knows how to, knows how to drill, um, drill motivation into his team. He knows how to get his team playing. He knows how to get them working hard. But I'm going to go Villa. I'm going to go 1-0 Villa. I, I, I have a feeling we will we'll be okay. I think they know the enormity of this. And I think for Sheffield United, there, there might just be that idea of deflation. Well, like, yeah, you know, they, they've still got a chance to break into the top four or finish fifth or, or whatever. But uh, they've lost that... They've lost that... Uh, They've lost that momentum they had beforehand. They really have lost that momentum they had beforehand. Uh, so I'm I'm going to go with Villa. And 
And uh, I don't think Sheffield United were really doing anything special beforehand. I mean, they were they were getting tidy victories, tidy one nils and two ones and 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 that kind of a thing. But I'm gonna give it Villa. I, th- I just think as well. Just I I I know I'm talking for a bit too much here, but like just from what I've seen, <laughs> and Neil, you can have the floor after this. But just from what I've seen in the Bundesliga as well, like the even like the sort of lower quality teams that were doing well beforehand aren't necessarily still doing that. Like the, the, the talent, the talent, the Premier League. Uh, talent or the Bundesliga talent over there that seems to be shining through and a lot of the plucky teams they're just not there anymore they just aren't there without the crowd um, I'm looking at like Union Berlin for example so I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Sheffield United a little bit of deflation for them I'm gonna go one nil Villa that's fair uh, Neil your score predictions I the last time Sheffield United played against Villa in the Premier League was 2007 it was uh, May 2007 um, it was 25. It was actually the celebration of 25 years after Villa had won the, the European Cup, and I was there. I was in Villa Park that day, and we won 3-0. I think it was Gabby, um, Ashley Young, and Patrick Berger. Uh, I remember that. that I remember that. Yeah, that they gave out. They gave out the yeah, and and they gave out the every fan that attended that day got a scarf uh, from Randy Lerner that said "Bright history, a proud history, bright future," and um. I still actually have two of those. I, 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 my camera isn't on. It's no good for audio anyway, but it's hanging up here behind me. Um, that scarf. Um, and that was a fantastic day. I was sat in the lower hall that day for, for that game. I would cut off both my arms for a 3-0 win because I think that I, I, I think looking at even looking at a goal difference, I think that's why I mentioned at the start that we're going to need to score goals because goal difference may come into this. Bournemouth have a considerably better goal difference than we do. Um, so I think it is going to, going to play a factor in it. But um, like Danny, 1-0, Vi- 1-0 Villa win, I think, is, is, is will be great. Uh, I don't see it happening, though. I think it's going to be... I think it, we're going to have to score two goals because I think we will concede. Um, I agree with Danny that the, the Sheffield United most likely will have lost momentum. Um, it's very difficult for even a, a completely, you know, tough season team like a Liverpool or a Man City to, to hold on to... Um, that kind of uh, that momentum through uh, a period of uncertainty and remember as well a lot of Sheffield United's uh, I suppose play is based on stuff being drilled into them from a tactical point of view from a set piece point of view from a formational point of view set up and all that and with them not having t- uh, time together that may you Obviously, look, they were good at a previous, so if they just kind of revert to type, we could be in trouble. But it's it's repetition. It's consistently uh, driving that, I suppose, those those ideals from Chris Wilder into the team day in, day out. And if they don't have that day in, day out, you know, we might be able to catch them on the hop. Um, and I'm going for a 2-1 Aston Villa win. That's what I'm going for, 2-1 with Samata getting both goals. Wow. Oh, you oh, know what? I, Neil, I think you're somehow diving into my mind because I was going to say 2-1 as well. You guys are getting me so amped up for this. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for a, a 2-1 Villa win. Um, I think I, I'm going to base it basically my whole context off of Jack Grealish's comments. I think it was a week or so ago where he said this is the sharpest and fittest he's seen this squad. Um, and just the mentality seems to be in the perfect place. He could just be saying that. Um, but at the same time, I'm taking that for what it is, and I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. Like we said before, I think for Sheffield United, uh, the fact that they've come up with us um, for this Premier League season and uh, hit the highs they've hit, I I think getting a Champions League spot is just a little too much for them. I think 
kind of having that it's almost going to be like a hangover thing you're sitting there for three months thinking about it and knowing you can't do anything about it and coming back after all that time to just pick up that form again they're going to be able to grind out games they're a physical team they're going to be able to make it low scoring but i just think with the fitness the mentality that players are coming out with and whatever they're suggesting in the media i think they're making me believe it's going to be 2-1 so as foolish as that's probably sounds i'll go 2-1 but anyways guys we'll go on to some uh quick fire uh twitter questions here there's about three or four this time so we'll go into them quickly uh we'll start with uh trevor rolfs um at wreck it rolfs uh, we've kind of went over the first part of his question or the second part of his question i think it was but he's just asking uh, how and when when should dino use his five subs is this change more beneficial for villa or does it actually hurt since we may not be as deep as other clubs uh danny how do you feel about that um i think first substitution you make once uh once we realize that danny Drinkwater is not up to the pace so take him off after 10 minutes um but other than that i think I think it's one of them ones where actually we were having this discussion about Dean Smith's substitution strategy at the start of the season. I wonder if it's still going to be as um, impotent as it was before, because we, we really were kind of making substitutions way too late. I think, though, it's going to be interesting. I think I think what you might want to do is like, you know, you've got we have got impact players off the bench. We've got Connor Harahan. You've got him on the bench. If something's not working, you bring him on. I mean, maybe maybe if McGinn starts, you've got Nakamba to bring on. I, I, what I want to see is Keenan Davis, and I, and I want to see Callum O'Hare. I want to see Louis Barry. I want to see the potential for these players to come on because, yeah, I don't know. I think I think we've I think we've got the potential there for game changers. I just think that um, I think we've got to be a little bit smarter with them this time. I think. Look, uh, I was watching Coppa Italia last night and. Uh, Juventus like brought on three substitutes at the 60th minute. We've got to be able to just not be afraid to do that. And I think that is the main thing. We've got to be not afraid to change things when they're not working. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Neil, we'll give you the first part of this question. How and when do you think Dean Smith should uh, use his substitutions? Oh, that's uh, that's kind of a how long is a piece of string kind of question, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but with with five players... I would uh, I would like to see, and, and I echo Danny as well, I would like to see somebody like Louis Barry on the bench. Um, I would like to see maybe, um, uh, is it Jacob Ramsey, I think, was, was recalled from loan recently. Uh, we need firepower. Keenan Davis was great to see him back in training, actually, as well, because, you know, he has been a bit a bit injury prone of, of late. But before he got injured the last time when he came in, he had some really good hold-up play. And I think that could be pivotal that if we do need to change... Uh, tactics against teams that we could bring him on or even start him with, with Samata because he's he's quite a good link player you know it's, he's an underrated link player he doesn't score goals and people automatically get down on him because of that but um, playing him in maybe the top of a diamond uh, with with three midfielders behind him uh, could be behind Samata obviously could be could be quite profitable uh, when would I like to see them I'm not a fan I'm never a fan of late substitutions. I'd prefer to see somebody substituted within the first 15 minutes than to be substituted within the last 10 <laughs> because I think it takes a, a period of time to get up to pace with the game and I think with the layoff that will happen also that that, that period of time would be longer um, I just I just think that the 
the the worst thing we could do is fall into a trap of overthinking substitutions with this. We don't know the fitness levels of our players. I'm sure these guys are running on treadmills or running around uh, wherever they can find to run around with the GPS information on them. So the sports scientists would probably be more pivotal than Dean Smith himself, um, you know, with regards to making substitutions in this game. I, I I couldn't even begin to imagine when we should start to make substitutions, but I think we should freshen up the strike force. Um, he did have a he did have a punch on for taking off Samata at around sixty five minutes in a lot of the games that Samata yeah, played. Yeah, he so was. Hopefully, yeah, so hopefully he won't have to do that now, and we leave our goal threat on threat on the field. But um, I, I the, with regards to the substitutions as well, I think that it could kind of help us in midfield because we've got we've a lot of similar players there where why the level doesn't drop too much. Whereas if we just bring in a player that has maybe that extra extra few uh, miles in the tank, it could it it could create a nice rollover effect in midfield. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting, and I hope it helps us. It's designed for me when I heard it. The first thing that came to my mind was this is designed to keep the big teams um, from falling out of the out of the, the European spots, and uh, it's obviously not going to help teams with a lesser uh, a lesser squad. But Sheffield United don't have a massive squad either, and they did just bring in new players prior to to lockdown. You know, they brought in a raft of players at the end of January who didn't really hadn't really started to integrate within the team. So if Chris Wilder starts to start playing those those players and they haven't fully integrated into the system, as I mentioned before, we may be able to take uh, to take advantage of that by rolling players in, rolling players out at pivotal times to keep our momentum, keep our intensity up. So it will be interesting to see how uh, how we fare with regards to those yeah no that's that's a great point i think the whole beauty of the substitution thing too is say if we're up to one and there's the last 10 minutes or something like that for example if they're in the lead or they're holding on for a point or something like that you can bring say uh, a keenan davis or a vasilev or a younger player and just run them ragged if you need someone to press you can literally bring someone on to press for an added benefit and not worrying oh that's the last substitution uh should i make this change or this change i think it just gives everyone more uh tactical flexibility and i think at the same time as fans we're going to see a lot of different things maybe i don't know say if we're losing one nil and we have to go for it maybe the whole formation just goes completely out the window and we go to like a 4-4-2, uh, two strikers up top or something like that. Like it, it gives everyone a kind of more flexibility and a different um, variety of what they can see. Uh, but going on to the next question, um, well, it's not really a question, just a score prediction. Um, Oscar Money Brady says Jack Grealish 4-0. So I don't know if he means Jack Grealish is going to get four goals, but I'll take it um, nonetheless. And uh, the last question I'll pick out today, um, I know Danny's had this prep since before the podcast because I asked him to, so I appreciate it. Um, Colin Frederick at, I think it's uh, Kremick 2, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, he's asking us to compare the remaining games of, of everyone in the relegation battle to determine how vital this game is for Villa. We're not going to go over the six teams that are in touching distance of the relegation zone. Um, but Danny, just to kind of briefly brush over it, if you look at, say, Norwich, Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham, and Brighton, and then you look at this game against Sheffield United for Villa, how important is this? Look, it's important to start with because we have got Chelsea, Liverpool and Manchester United to, to come uh, to come. So, you know, on that basis, we don't re- there's not really anybody who has a harder run in. I think when you look at Watford, though, I mean, Watford, they still have Chelsea. They still have uh, Manchester City. They still have Arsenal left to left to play as well. So that's, you know, that's going to be interesting, too. 
in terms of West Ham, if I remember correctly, they've got quite a tough run in too because they've got uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, to start with and straight after that Tottenham Hotspur, straight after that Chelsea. Uh, and they've still got Man United to play as well. Not to mention that they still got Watford to play. They're our final game of the season. So I think it might be that we're going to be kind of neck and neck with them. That's on the basis that we do pick up some points. Um, Bournemouth, you know, they're another team we need to climb uh, We need to climb up against, you know, in terms of their run-in. Uh, let's have a quick look. I am clicking. I don't want to open too many tabs. Uh, they've got Man United. They've got Tottenham Hotspur. They've got Man City too. I feel like it's wrong even mentioning Manchester United amongst these teams, but um, but there you go. Uh, and Norwich, I think when you look at Norwich and, and their fixtures, I think it's a case of we've got to be, we've just kind of got to stay ahead of them. There's there's no reason why we should be dropping behind them um, at all. They have Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, and Man United to play still too. So there's this, this tough teams for everybody, but I just think in Villa's case, when we look at these games, and I think it's been a bit of a problem it's been a massive problem in fact this season we just can't get the job done against these sides we I, I don't know again what it is it's that nervousness from the players I don't know if it's the crowd being around and all that energy that oh we're about to pull off a big result for some reason for Sheffield United for even for Norwich um, for other teams lower down that table a trip to say the Etihad or a trip to you know Manchester United it's just another game and once we're 2-1 up, that's cool. We'll execute our strategy. Let's see where this goes. But for Villa, these big games, I just can't help but feel like they're zero pointers because every time we're, we're even 1-0 up, you know, something something goes down and, and the players suddenly kind of stop playing uh, with any sort of decency. You know what, Danny? I 100% agree with you. It's it's a mentality thing at the end of the day. And you know what? It, it could be something interesting we see for the rest of the season. Perhaps no fans in the stadium actually is a boost. Um, there's not the risk of booing and any kind of morale in terms of uh, fan opinion dropping uh, the performances on the pitch. So we'll see how that goes. But anyways, guys, we'll end the podcast there. Thank you very much to Danny and Neil for joining me. It's greatly appreciated. Of course, if you want to get in touch with with us on Twitter, you can feel free to do so at 7500 to Holt. You, of course, can send any thoughts or whatever you'd like to our email address, holtcastpod at gmail.com. We're looking to hopefully read out suggestions and all that kind of good stuff going forward, so feel free to reach out there. Of course, if you want to check out our guest Neil today, you can do so on Twitter at MC for the love of. Of course, check out his podcast for the love of Paul McGraw. I highly recommend it. If you want to check out myself on Twitter, it's at Talk Aston Villa. If you want to check out Danny on Twitter it's at Raza Journal, of course and if you want to check out the 7500 to Holt articles and the website and all its good stuff you can go to www.7500holt.com almost messed that up there but anyways guys we'll wrap it up there thank you very much and don't forget up the villa